There was a storm last night, a raging storm, I might say. And I look down, I see my brother in the second row here, and he and I had a little intimate moment about one in the morning, I think it was, out in the courtyard, because our car alarms were going off, at least the two. The only, I think the only alarms were my two. And my neighbor's roof shingles were flying off and smacking our cars. So I got dent in my truck and damage to my wife's car. And it's like, wow, this is crazy. There's a storm going on. A storm is raging. And when I went back inside, thank you for not commenting on what I look like at one in the morning. I went back inside and I laid down. The power was out. And I realized that there was a different kind of storm raging. And it was in here. Because the noise, anybody else, the noise, the banging and the, the gusts of wind, yeah? Where it would, and, you, and I'm, in those moments, I was just like, hey, I was waiting for the crash, the boom, something. My, my trampoline to end up in the neighbor's yard or, you know, worse. The ho- I mean, we're on the second floor. And I did feel the foundation shaking. And I heard the windows rattling. And the, the storm around me generated a storm in here. There was some fear. Can I, men, will you leave me up here alone or can you join me? Any other men experienced fear last night? Okay, thank you, brother. Fear. My, my brain went to, because I knew my car was damaged, and I don't think my neighbor's watching, but if you are, we're good. But my mind went to insurance claims and hassles and getting the truck in the body shop and, and all those kind of things. And then I thought about my kids and I thought about you and I thought my phone is I don't know why the phone was working I guess the cell towers still work but we have one of those ring things you push the button and you get you can sign up for notifications I don't remember signing up for them but I must have got 50 of them last night powers out here powers out there powers out here power and so this storm is just building in me you know the world's coming to an end it's falling apart the storm the circumstances began to generate a storm in here. And I don't know how many of you walked in this morning with the storm raging in here, but I think it's probably a good number of us came in with a storm raging on the inside. And it doesn't have to do with the wind and the damage that happened last night. It has to do with what we've experienced and walked through the last couple of years. Or let's just narrow it down because we're at the beginning of a new year. Let's just reflect back on 2022. And there's plenty of circumstances, plenty of events, plenty of moments that we experienced in 2022 that can generate a storm in here. And this is the time of of our experience, the beginning of a new year, when we begin to reflect on, or maybe you've already started, reflect on the year past and you begin to look ahead to the year ahead of you. And in the context of that storm that might be raging, we begin to ask questions, right? Is this year going to be any different than last year? Is anything going to change over last year? Maybe some of you, and I think this is a good thing to ask, is what about me? Am I going to change? You remember those resolutions you made in January of 2022? Anybody go back? Yeah, see, we don't. Yeah, no, we don't, right? But we make these decisions, we make these commitments, we make these resolutions, and at the end of the year, we look back, we sometimes realize nothing has changed. And so, is anything going to change in 2023? That's a question, right? Good, you're asking. I was taken to the disciples in my thinking as I began to ask some of these questions and looked at the new year. 
I, I begin to wonder what kind of storm was raging in the hearts of the disciples. What questions they were asking. Now they weren't at the beginning of the year, but they had just come through a season of where Jesus had been arrested, he had been tried, he'd been condemned unjustly, he'd been tortured, he'd been crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, and then after coming to them and asking the impossible, you're, gonna, you're the people that are going to go transform the world, then he, he left. He'd already died, been buried, rose, he was alive. This is crazy, this is amazing. But then he, he, he left. Why do you want to leave me? Anybody know what that is? <laughs> you know, he, he left. And now they're, 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 they're in the midst of this storm, if you will, externally. And I'm convinced that because they're just like us, there were these storms raging inside. Now what's next? What does this next season look like? I think they were potentially consumed with confusion and grief and loss. He'd resurrected from the dead. There was great hope. But they could no longer run to him. They could no longer sit down with him in a cup of coffee and say, Jesus, what do I do? What do you want? What do you mean? He had gone back to the right hand of the Father. And I, I, I see them as struggling with an identity crisis. He called us this. He told us to do this. But we have no idea what we're doing. And by the way, have you looked around, Jesus? Have you looked at the condition of our world? Have you looked at our leadership? Have you looked at Rome? Have you looked at the temple, the priests, the Pharisees? And I see them as facing the fear, and that's my word, facing the fear of the unknown. And they don't know the full scope of it yet, but they're on the, the precipice of overwhelming change. You like that word? No? Change. Come on, every day you change your clothes, right? That's good. We used to get change. Remember the coins you used to carry in your pocket? That's good. My wife's football team changed quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. It was good for one week. <laughs> Sorry if you don't know what that means. Change is good, right? We love it. And all that comes with it. So what do they do? Well, in Acts chapter 2, Luke records that the Holy Spirit, as promised, comes and fills them. That changes everything. And Peter gets up to preach, and 3,000 people respond to his message. They repent. They change. They stop going the way they're going, and they put their faith in Jesus. And 3,000 people join the church. Isn't that awesome? That's good change, right? If 3,000 people walked in here this morning and said, we want to follow Jesus, would we be excited? Yes, for a few seconds, and then what would happen? Panic, right? The bathrooms aren't going to handle this. We don't have enough toilet paper in there. The, the cafe's freaking out because they got no more creamer, and the coffee ran out a long time ago. Where are they going to sit? The deacons are running around because this is their heart. We don't have enough room for people. And then the elders are thinking, wait a minute, we need to disciple these people. We need to teach them. Who's going to do Do you? Yes, it's exciting. But what do you do when there's a storm raging around you? And all about the storm is not bad, right? Come on, California, this is water. <laughs> you know, we should, the new gold, we should be praising God for, for the water. Was God in the storm last night? Absolutely. 
our sovereign, loving God was in that storm, and he had his hand on us. So not all is bad about the storm, but the storm that we are walking in tends to create storms in here. So what do we do? What do we do as we move into this new year? Whether we have great optimism and hope that things are going to change this year, or we're maybe the, we're the pessimist in the body of Christ, they go, we're the, the, what was the donkey with the pinned on tail? Eeyore, thank you. Okay. Maybe there's some, 2023 is going to be worse than 2022. And then there's maybe the, 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 the realists that just say, you know what, it's going to kind of be the same, and we're just going to keep plugging. Wherever you land, as the body of Christ, as disciples of Jesus Christ, what do we do? And that brings me to ask this question, what did they do? What did they do? Acts chapter 2. 3,000 new people. What do they do? Jesus is left. He's back at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit has shown up. They have incredible power. Peter is a changed man now that the Holy Spirit's moved in. Lots of good stuff, crazy stuff. They're still under the, ro the rule of Rome. The Pharisees still feel the way they did about them, or they feel about them the way they did about Jesus. So what do we do? They devoted themselves. Look at your Bible or look on the screen behind me. Look on your phone. Don't take my word for it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves. They repeatedly gave themselves to something. And this word devoted means that you, you persistently do something even in the face of opposition. There's a, there's a hint, if you will, in this word that Luke uses, this Greek word, that it's, it's not something that's naturally easy or always going to be easy or even always something you enjoy you think peas are good for you amen 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 but my mom thought they were and so my, my dad can tell you a story about me and peas when i was a little kid now i ended up because i well i'll let him tell you why I ended up devoting myself to eating peas. I gave myself to eating the peas, but not because it was easy or because I liked it. I still don't like peas. This devotion that Luke records, he describes the, the body of Christ, the disciples coming together and devoting themselves, giving themselves to something intentionally, repeatedly, even if there was maybe internal or external opposition. Opposition. What did they devote themselves to? Are you looking at the text? Do you see it there in your Bible? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Now listen to what, what Luke does. Luke, being the, the human author, the Holy Spirit, leads him to write out this summary. They devoted themselves. Before we go any further, Luke says, you need to understand what the early church did when they were living in a storm, and they were internalized, they had these internal storms that were raging, this confusion, this fear, this wonder, this discouragement as it was happening inside. I want you to know what they did. They gave themselves to four different things, repeatedly, intentionally, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Now watch what he does. He picks them up and he expands them. First, the apostles' teaching, the next verse. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. 
the teaching of the apostles, the ministry of God's word, Jesus' words through the apostles. And then he says, all the, let me explain the fellowship. All the believers were together, and they held all things in common. Sounds like a commune, doesn't it? For our American minds, it sounds like communism, right? Don't go there. Okay? It's not a political system. It's not an ideology. It's a reality that the people in the body of Christ said, you know what? What I own is really not mine. It's for us. And if you have a need... I'm going to share, and this, the, he used the word koinonia in the Greek that we've probably heard, the word for fellowship, and, it, and he doesn't just say fellowship, he does put an article, in a, a definitive article in front, in front of it saying the fellowship, and it literally just means a sharing. All the believers were together, this fellowship, and they held all things in common, and in some cases they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds, the proceeds to all, as anyone had need. You remember the end of chapter 4, a guy named Barnabas doing that, selling property? You can go to chapter 4, you can go to chapter 5, you can see this further lived out. And then he picks up the breaking of bread. Every day they devoted themselves. Did you catch that? What was the first phrase? Every day. Oh, it's Sunday again. I gotta go to church. You know, it's my small group again. Oh, wasn't it just yet? Come on now. Every day. They devoted themselves, they gave themselves to meeting together. And they did it in a couple of ways. There was a corporate meeting in the temple complex where they came together. We'll see it in chapter 3 and how, what it looked like. You can read chapter 3. And they also broke bread from house to house. They also came to the Lord's table. And I know for us it's a little, it's a little, there's a little bit of disconnect. The Jewish meal, the meal that they would know, always begins with something. Anybody know? The first thing in a Jewish meal is what? Specifically, breaking of bread. That's the announcement of the meal, the breaking of bread. And Jesus took the, the, the most common um, identifying meal that they shared, which was Passover, and he introduced to his disciples at Passover the cup that was blessed, the Paul we read earlier, and the bread that was broken. He introduces what he was about to do, what we know he did through this table, this meal, the breaking of bread together. And it would become the identifying mark of the body of Christ, of the people of God. This simple routine, this simple moment, maybe is a better word, where we come together and we break bread. And he says they did daily, they were meeting together in the temple complex, and they were breaking bread from house to house. They were worshiping, they were remembering I, I pray that for myself as well as us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, particularly if you've walked with him, known him for a long time, that we can somehow grab a hold of that word that Jesus gives us, that we need to remember. What do we need to remember? We need to remember who he is. We remember what he's done. We need to remember who we are to him because of what he's done, that we are one body because of what he did. We need to remember that. No? Yes, I needed to remember that last night at one in the morning as I'm in the storm of what's going to happen. That's all temporary stuff. It's all going to come and go, right? But in the midst of that storm, was I still God's child because of what he'd done for me? Is he good? Has he got his hand on me or his plans? All right, I could go on and on and on and on. Remember. And so they daily remembered who they were. And then it says they ate their food with joyful and humble attitude. 
praising God and having favor with all the people. I believe he's picked up the prayer, the prayers again in this text. And at first glance, he said, well, I don't know. That's kind of a stretch. I don't know how you're connecting that. Well, keep in mind that their prayers were similar to ours. And a little bit later this morning, Dennis is going to come up and we're going to have a, a moment of corporate prayer where we're praying together. Intentionally. It was, it's planned. It's planned in the schedule. I can show you. We're going to pray together. And they did that in the temple courts. But they also did it individually. They also did it in their lives. And this word that Luke chooses, praising, my mind goes to what we just did, that we're singing. But it has nothing to do with singing. It literally means to recommend somebody, something or someone. It means to speak of someone in a recommendatory way. And I know that's not a word. I just made it up, okay? <laughs> Sorry, Sharon. You speak of someone in a way that is communicating to other people. Dude, you, you got to... Okay. You ready for this? Sorry, man. Jets fan. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Anybody know who Brock Purdy is? Okay. Oh, yeah, even non-Niner fans, right? I can talk about him all day long. And, and I'll talk about him in such a way that I'm recommending him. I'm saying, man, that's our quarterback. That, I mean, that's the guy for the moment. That's the guy that I want under center throwing the passes and, and making the, That's the guy. Oh, let's talk about the guy. Church, that's prayer. That's prayer. Talking to him, talking about him in all of the aspects of our lives. He, what he describes here is the, these, these Christians, these disciples, they're, look how they're living their life. They're eating their food with a joyful and humble attitude. And they're talking about God all the time, recommending that you should follow him too. I'm telling you, he's everything that you're looking for. And they're telling him, they're telling people, and they're having favor with all the people. It's in all of their relationships. See, it takes time to where the church begins to make prayer this. Okay, everybody, bow your heads. Crystal, bow your head. No messing around during, you know, fold, fold your hands. I know you, Steve, fold your hands because otherwise you're going to, right? And, we, and then we, amen. Several of you are following my instructions. Thank you so much for listening. But, you know, it's, right? It's because, and what's happened is it's become this thing that we're, we're disconnected from. We're formal. It's formal to us. And then we even get to where I don't know how to do it or I don't know exactly what it should sound like or what I... What Luke gives us here is a beautiful picture of prayer. It's just talking about God, talking to God, talking about Him in front of others, at the restaurant, at the coffee shop, with your family, at work, Yes, in school. Yes, in Congress. Yeah, just every, you don't, doesn't, it is, hold on, everybody, hold on. We need to put in the schedule, and that's a good thing because they did that, and we'll do that. But he says they just lived their lives talking to God, and it was recommending Him to everybody. What did they do? They devoted themselves to teaching, to sharing life together, to breaking bread and talking to God. I have no idea where I'm at on the slide, so I'm sorry if you're, forgive me, if you're searching. If what's up here doesn't match what I'm saying, it's not their fault. It's, okay. They devoted themselves, they gave themselves to teaching of the apostles, teaching by those who were qualified to teach. What made an apostle qualified to teach the words of Jesus? They had been with him, they'd by faith followed him, 
they were obeying them in their life, and then they were communicating them to others that this is what Jesus said to be and to do. What qualifies me to stand up here? The same thing. It's not a title, it's not education, it's not training, it's not the position. I have no business, no one has any business. Matt, Jeff, Nate, anyone who's up here teaching, nobody has any, or with the kids, or on, or on Thursday night with the youth, or in the Ladies of Grace, or Salt, or wherever. And they have no business teaching unless they have been with Jesus and they have listened to Jesus and they have made a commitment to take his words and put them into practice. And now, if I'm doing that, I'm qualified to stand up here and say, this is what Jesus says. This is what we're to be and to do. And they devoted themselves to that. Are we devoted to that? When you walked in this morning, were you devoted to hearing from God through God's word? If I get up here and I tell a bunch of good stories and I talk about the news, walk out. Seriously. If we don't open God's words, if we don't open the words of Jesus, if we don't, what we just did reading in Acts chapter 2 and seek to explain it and make it clear, then graciously walk out and then send me an email. Let's get coffee. And you need to rebuke me with grace, but you need to, you with me? Why are you laughing? Are you going to rebuke me? Okay, but you've got to buy me coffee, Titus, or tea. Did we come in, did we gather this morning devoted to the teaching of God's word? Did you show up, did I show up wanting to hear from God? Are we devoted to that? Does the teaching of God's words happen throughout the things that we do? Men's breakfast, ladies' breakfast, youth, Children, you, you tracking with me? These, these, these devotions are core, they're center. This is what we do when we're living in a storm. And they shared life together. They shared one another's pain and loss and brokenness, their suffering, their needs. There's nothing magical about those tables in the back and their prayer team. It's not about, mad, it's not about ooh, we're going to fix it. No, it's about sharing life together. It's about saying, hey, brother, hey, sister. I'm struggling, I have pain, I have loss, there's brokenness, I'm suffering. Can we just pray together? Can I just cry out to God and, and sometimes you don't even know what to say? And that prayer person will say, let me pray for you. And they'll lift your life up to God and you share life together. It's also sharing the joy, the victories, the celebrations. I'm personally convicted. We've been talking about this as leaders for a while now. I think probably rooting back to somewhere in COVID. We just don't do a good job, and I'm convicted. I'll say it that way. I don't do a good job in leading us to celebrate more what needs to be celebrated. There's good things that God is doing, and we need to share that with each other. Our prayer together isn't always just, well, I need this, I need that, I need this, this is broken, this is hurting, that. that that's part of prayer. But our prayer, our conversations should be so characterized by just recommending God. Recommending God. Kurt, what are you doing in this moment? Oh, I recommend God. <laughs> I recommend God. Well, yeah, but what, what are you going to do about that? I recommend God. In fact, let me tell you how he did, how he... They shared life together. They shared one another's pain, loss, brokenness. They shared one another's joy, victory, celebrations, and successes. They also devoted themselves to breaking bread together in remembrance. My own personal journey with, with communion is, is all about that word remember. 
and how frequently I need to remember who he is and who I am to him. Because in a heartbeat, in the midst of a storm, I like that can forget who I am to him. And you know what that looks like. Now I'm, now I'm in charge, right? I gotta fix this, I gotta figure this out, I gotta know what to do. And he says, oh Kurt, come, to, come and just simply eat and drink and remember. Remember what I've done. Some of you are, are guilty, and I say that in love, but some of you are guilty in striving to be right with God, to work harder, to do more. Self-help. You know what I mean by that? I gotta stop your resolutions at the beginning of the year are, are pretty much peppered with that. I gotta stop cussing, or I gotta stop doing this, or I gotta stop, I gotta start doing my, my tithe, and I'm not giving, and no, I'm guilty. But, and you, you, if you know who you are, and I'll, we, let me say it that way, we, some of us, are working so hard to try to somehow deserve or earn his love and his favor, and he already loves you. And I need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that. That's what the, this table is. He's saying, remember that I died for you. I literally died for you. I love you so much that I want you to be close to me. And all this sin, all this guilt, all this shame that's between us, you're just going through the motions of religion, and I want to change all that. I want a relationship with you. I want you close, but I stink. Yes, I know, he says. But I love you, and I want to clean you, and I want to bring you, and I want to keep you close. And you've forgotten that. So come back and remember. Come back and remember. That's, that's been my journey of how often I need to remember who he is and who I am to him. They did it daily. I'm not suggesting we do it daily. We have freedom. But at that moment in that storm, they needed to do it daily. They needed to break bread together regularly. They needed to be reminded that they were the family of God. They were the body of Christ. It's not, excuse me, it's not lost on me and hopefully not you that he chooses this picture of a broken body to remind us that we are the body of Christ. That's intentional on his part. And they devoted themselves to talking to God. I've talked about that already. I think prayer is in, is in that short list of right there with sharing our faith, sometimes reading our Bible. It's in that short list of things that I, I've struggled with and I've watched Christians, those who are truly followers of Jesus, struggle with their entire journey with God. And then every once in a while you run into someone, you interact with a, a, a brother or sister who just, have, they just, they just talk to God. Have you ever experienced that where you, you, somebody in a setting and somebody prays and you're like, I want that, I want to be like that. They're just talking to, to, to a friend that they deeply love and respect and are grateful for. Joyful, did you see? Joyful and grateful. I'm not arguing or suggesting that we stop bringing to God our needs, but I do with a conviction of my soul, believe that God's longing is that we would just come to him moment to moment throughout our life because he's present and he's watching and he's there. And he just wants us to come to him and say, God, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful for this storm. I'm so thankful that one in the morning I'm out hanging out with my brother and, and my neighbor Mike. And I mean that sincerely. 
This is now part of my story. It's part of my experience. Thank you. I'm so grateful for your presence. I, and just it should just come out of us so that anybody around us, whether it's in a formal setting this morning when Dennis prays, it should be obvious, or if we're at dinner with people or whatever, that it just should be obvious that at the bottom line is this. This Kurt guy, he's always recommending God. He's always recommending him. Do people ever ask you to recommend something? Hey, do you know a good mechanic? Nate, do you know a good mechanic? No? Okay, well. You know, can you recommend somebody to work on my car? Hey, I got, I got a dent in my truck now. Anybody recommend a body shop? Does that happen to you? Anybody? Hey, I'm going to take my wife out for dinner on Tuesday. Anybody recommend a good rest? Do we, do we not do that to each other? And people have to ask us because there's not enough evidence in our life, usually, in this case, we, we go to Nate and we say, can you recommend a, a mechanic? Because we know enough about him, right? We've interacted with him. Wouldn't it be amazing is if everybody that interacted with us didn't even have to ask us if we recommend God? Because everything that we're saying is already doing that. It's already recommending him. Kurt, man, you're, you're going through some stuff right now. What do you recommend? Oh, I recommend God. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you about him. You, you, you got, Kurt, you got some financial challenges. What are you, you going to do? Well, I recommend God. I recommend going to God and bringing him into this and seeking his... Are you, you tracking with me a little bit? This, this picture, this idea of praying, Luke says they just recommended God. They devoted themselves to it. And here, here's, here, here was the, the light bulb for me over, vaca- over Christmas break, if you will, traveling a little bit and, and having some extra time and thinking about this morning. Here is, here is where, and looking at this text, and it's a familiar text, but as I was just meditating on it, God was shaping me and teaching me what he wanted to teach me. Here's the light bulb moment. It, it took me to Matthew chapter 28. And our, our mission, the strategy for the mission and as I, as I went there, I, I found myself thinking, the community that God wants to build in the middle of chaos, in the middle of the storm, the title of this message is Community in the Chaos. Maybe we should call it Community in the Storm. The community that God was building in the chaos, this community that was devoted to the word of God, to fellowship, to worship, and to prayer, the community that he was building in the midst of this chaos, the community that he was providing becomes the context, it becomes, the, it becomes the, the setting on which we absorb his impossible command. In Acts 1, he says, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then you're going you're gonna to be my, my witnesses in Jerusalem. <laughs> no problem, Jesus. I know Carmichael. <laughs> I know. But, but then Sac County. Ooh, that's a little harder. Okay, you know, there's parts here that aren't even... Okay, great. And then California. Hollywood, Southern California, San Francisco, yeah, and then you're going to be my witnesses across the United States and around the world. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's what you're going to do. His words to his disciples in Matthew 28 are to go, right? In Mark, it's recorded, go preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Where we look for clarity on our mission is in Matthew 28, where he says, I want you to go, and then he lays out this mission. And as I thought about this community that is devoted, this community devoted to teaching, to fellowship, to worship, and to prayer, 
It becomes the sending context. It becomes where the momentum is created for fulfilling the mission. If you're not a football fan, give me just 30 seconds. It's, it's the halftime in the locker room with the coach. That's what this is. I don't know if, if you are a football fan. I know you get this. If you're not, you may not. Football, to me, is the one place in sports that you can really see the effect, the power, the loss of momentum. And sometimes you ask yourself, where did that team come from in the second half? Because that wasn't the team that was on the field in the first half. What happened? They had a sit-down in the locker room. And the coach, the Holy Spirit, said, okay, you're all wearing the same, you all got the same name right here, right? And I know you got names back here, and that's important because you all got roles. You're not blocking, Tim. That guy sacks me one more time, I'm coming after you. No, he's got a name on the back that says that's his role, right? He's that tackle. I've got a name, I've got a role. You have a name on the back, you have a, you have a role. But on the front, we all have the same name, the same team. We should all be moving in the same direction for the same purpose. And the Holy Spirit at halftime, that coach sits down and says, look, okay, some of you are not, not carrying your weight. Some of you are sitting on the bench. Some of you aren't even dressed. How come you're, where's your uniform? Sue, how come you didn't dress for this game? That's what this is, this gathering, this, this community coming together and saying, okay, remember who we are. Remember there's a name on the back that says, I have a role to play. I am a part of the body of Christ. I have spiritual gifts. He's given to me, and I need to exercise that. I need to do my part. But I'm also part of a bigger team, and I need to be reminded of that. And if we're devoted to teaching, to fellowship, to worship, and to prayer, all four of those things are like pillars. They're like corners of a foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone, but they're parts of this foundation that hold us up as God's community, God's family. So that when I leave this place and I go out into the world that he's called me to go to, I can engage, I can empower, I can equip, and I can encourage. I can make disciples. I can fulfill the mission that he's given us, he's given the church. Jesus came near to them in Matthew 28, and this is what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I found myself over Christmas this season really zooming in on that part of it, being reminded once again who it is that says what we say all the time. When we say, go therefore and make disciples, who's saying, well, we, it's Jesus, right? But we need to be reminded that right before he says, hey, church, go and make disciples, he says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. There's no higher authority. There's no higher authority. That, that coach speaking at halftime in the locker room, there's no owner that's going to come in and overrule him. No, that is the final authority. This is what we're going to do. And this is your part, and your part, and your part, and your part. And so we're going to devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word. We're going to devote ourselves to fellowship, sharing life together. We're going to devote ourselves to worship. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer. So that as one body, as a community of God's people, we're going to go and we're going to make disciples of all nations. And we're going to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to teach them to observe everything that he has commanded us and we're always going to remember. Look over here. Do you see that? We're always going to remember that he is with us. There's some Sundays when you come 
and you experience our gathering together, that's what you need. You need to leave with a new remembrance that he is always with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. The mission is live. It's current. And he's with us. Can I give you one more thought? Two more thoughts? Real quick. I'm going to go quick. Here's, here's what God gave me as I reflected on my own life and this authority that Jesus has in this mission, growing out of this community that he is building. Number one, every command of God reveals two undeniable truths. Every command. You can pick whatever command you want in the Old Testament New Testament. They all reveal the same two things. Number one, God's plans for us are good. I want you to say that with me. Ready? God's plans for us are... When he says, forgive your enemy... God's plans you with me you pick it you pick the command which is what Matthew 28 is based on that authority go make disciples it's not a suggestion the great suggestion it is a command and it reveals that God's plans for us are good when we look at what he tells us to do that's where I need to go his plans for me are good so I'm going to do this number two it reveals that my ways are not God's ways anybody give me an amen to that alright good you're tracking my ways are not God's ways I think I have some pretty good ways come on all by myself okay well I think I have some good ways but my ways are not his ways and every command reveals that. Because when I read a command, I go, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. Really? No, no, no. What needs to happen, God? Here's what I need to do. Secondly, every command of God requires two undebatable choices. Every command requires two things from us. Number one, repentance. And every command requires repentance because my way is not God's way. Isn't that what repentance is? I've been going my way, and God says, stop and go my way. So the command reveals that my ways are not his ways. The response on my part is repentance of that, ownership of that. My ways are not his ways, and so repentance means that I'm going to submit to whose way? Yeah. And secondly, the other choice that we need to make is faith. Or you can put the word obedience faith or obedience and why would I have faith why would I respond in faith to God's command because God's plans are always they're good God's plans are always good whether I see it or not so let me close with this if you have some notes and if you don't there's some in the back there's some questions that I, I want to encourage you if, you, if you didn't get one, you can even take a picture, go back there and take a picture. Maybe your neighbor has a set of notes and they'll let you take a picture. And then you'll get their notes that they've taken too, so that's a bonus. Three questions that I, I want us to consider. Maybe you might consider these and talking about these with your family. Maybe you'll use these in your small group. But number one, what were you devoted to in 2022? Can you ask that hard question? What were you, what, what do you, let's just kind of reflect. What do you think you were devoted to? What did you give yourself to repeatedly? in 2022. Number two, what are your priorities for the new year? What's going to be important to you in the new year? Now, can I give you a little suggestion? Maybe the four devotions might be, okay, just if you weren't listening. But what are going to be your priorities in 2023? What do you want to be and do in 2023? And number three, finally, the third question, what needs your immediate attention? 
can be an uncomfortable question. I asked myself that, and it was uncomfortable, just me, myself, and I. Oh, wow, there's some things that need immediate attention. And I'll, and, and I'll tell you what I believe is true for you, is true for me, is it'll be rooted back to those things dealing with God's commands. There's some immediate things that we need to repent from. There's some immediate things that we need to start, by faith, obeying him. And saying, you know what, at the end of the day, my ways are not your ways, and your plans for me are good. And so I'm going to live my life based on those, those truths. And the way that you'll know, God will know, he already knows, but the way that we'll know is when we're obeying him, when we're repenting, and by faith we're obeying him. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Was that a sincere amen? I should have. What are you devoted to in 2022? What are your priorities for the new year? And what needs your immediate attention? Dennis, would you come, please? And we're going to have a moment of that intentional corporate prayer. So as he prays this morning, he is praying with us, for us. He's leading us in this moment. And this is one expression of our devotion to recommending God. And I, you know what? Do that. Listen to, no pressure, Dennis. But listen to Dennis, what he prays this morning. Let's, let's see if we don't hear. I know we will. Let's see if we don't hear a recommendation for God.